Hello, welcome to today's podcast, The Child Whisperer Show. I'm your host, Carol Tuttle, author of the best-selling book, The Child Whisperer. And if you want to raise happy, successful, and cooperative children, you are in the right place today. Thank you for joining me for both the live and the recorded podcast. A lot of you listen to the recording, and I appreciate that. The phones are now open, and I look forward to supporting you in your parenting goals by helping you today. The number to call is 347-677-1963. I'd love to hear from you. I'm broadcasting today from sunny and warm Orlando, Florida, where I will be for the week with some family members. If you're in the area and you're listening to this the day of the live show, we have a meet and greet tonight at the Marriott Grande Vista. Just come on into the lobby from 7.30 to 8.30. And my daughter, Anne, and my daughter-in-law, Jalia, will be with me, and we'd love to meet you. So today's topic is, why won't my teen follow rules or open up to me? This is a great question. We have such a... Um, we really stereotype teenagers to be difficult and moody and problematic. So uh, my experience was very different than that. Uh, the child whisperer is great insight, especially if you're in the teenage phase with your children. But before I get into my first question that uh, highlights today's topic, I want to announce a giveaway winner that we've had. I want to thank all of you who are who participated this past week on the Child Whisper Facebook page. You can go to facebook.com forward slash the Child Whisper. We ran a contest for a success story, and our winner is Jolene Roberts. She has won a $10 store credit for either the Dressing Your Truth online store, which we recently launched an update and a newer uh, 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 a much improved revision of our Dressing Your Truth online store. If you've not yet seen it, go to dressingyourtruth.com and click on shop. Um, Jolene has won a $10 gift certificate that she can use at either caroltuttle.com or dressingyourtruth.com. And we, her success story, I love it. Um, Jolene wrote, I am so incredibly thankful for the child whisper and what it's done for my type 1 14-year-old son. I am also a type 1. But since he was small, I've wondered where all that energy comes from. Is it ADD? Is it hyperactivity? Is it bad behavior? No, it was none of those things. It's okay that he has a thousand ideas and loves to start and not always finish them. And it's okay that he isn't anything like his type 4 brother. And it doesn't make him wrong. It makes him just himself. I understand him more. I forgive him more. I am able to redirect that energy. I encourage him now, and he has flourished. We added a whiteboard in his room to write down all of his thoughts, and there are many. He feels heard now, and I am not trying to shush him or change him. Thank you, Carol. You have made me a better mom. I love that. I love how she closed that. You have made me a better mom because... Your desire, if you're listening to this show, I'm going to assume your desire is to be a great mom. And so the things that aren't working, it's for a lack of insight and skills in regards to your child's nature. And this is such a beautiful example of a success story when the type 1 mom, Jolene, 
was willing to become more informed to learn new skills. It changed her parenting experience. It changed her relationship with her son. He has more opportunity to create success in his world with more support, less shame, and everybody benefits. So thank you, Jolene. One of my support team will contact you in order to give you your gift card. I appreciate that. Look forward to more uh, giveaways here on the Child Whisper podcast. I'm excited to continue to honor more people by either your questions or your success stories and look forward to more of those. So let's get into today's topic. Why won't my teen follow rules or open up to me? And this is a great question. A type 1 mom wrote this. She says, recently I found food and drinks from my storage room in my son's bedroom. My type 1 son is 15 years old and my type 4 son is 11. I asked them why they are sneaking food and drinks, but they never have an answer for me. I don't have rules that keep them from eating when they are hungry, and I haven't restricted sugar completely, although we try to eat healthy. I've found liters of pop, juice, crackers, and other snacks from the storage room. I don't understand why they feel the need to hoard and hide it from me. Do you have any ideas for approaching them in a way that will not be threatening or create more of the same behavior? Um, Maybe they're not, I don't know, you've used the word sneaking it. Are they hiding it from you or are they just doing it without you knowing it? And they're just not informing you and you find these things after the fact. So I guess I would want you to qualify if they're really sneaking and hoarding or if they're really just taking things into their space, not telling you, not that they, maybe they just haven't thought about it. <laughs> maybe they're not. My sense is you might be taking this to an extreme of what they're doing because if they're if you're asking them why you're sneaking it and they're kind of like I don't know not a big deal maybe it's not a big deal so don't make a big deal out of something that's possibly not a big deal and just say okay well you know I want to support you and if you feel like you need to sneak anything let me know or I think if there were other things showing up too are they sneaking or withholding the truth, what appears to be lying about other things in their experience, or is this just with the food? Um, I don't get that it's a, as big a deal that maybe you think it is and you're worried. This is the thing. Parents see one behavior and think it can then go to an extreme and think, uh-oh, I've got to intervene here or stop this because it could turn into something else. And you're worry energy and your fear energy that it could turn into something else will actually throw more energy at it. You'll actually energize that, feed it, and provoke and create what you fear because your energetic attention is being given to that. So what if it's no big deal? If they say it's no big deal, they don't, like you've said here, um, they don't really know why they're doing it. Maybe they're just wanting to do something that shows forth their independence. So kind of take that position on it, see where that goes, that it's not a big deal, rather than to create what you don't want because your concern was um, any ideas for approaching them in a way that will not be threatening or create more of the same behavior. And just, if they say it's no big deal, then I guess believe them. 
and trust that it is no big deal. So my next question is uh, from a mom who says, I'm not certain of our types, but I think my 14-year-old daughter is a type 1 with a secondary 2, and I'm a type 2 with a secondary 1. We have rules in our family that my daughter continues to break. Her attitude is that she doesn't care and she's going to do what she wants. She messages boys saying she loves them and wants to hug, cuddle, and kiss them. She has also started cutting. I know she's had at least one boyfriend. Her new school friend does all of this and more, so I know there is peer pressure, but I'm really worried that it will get worse. She keeps getting punished for breaking the rules, but still breaks them. How can I help her see our rules as a way to protect her, not limit her? I want to help her. This is where rules become, in my opinion, You've set up rules to try and minimize behavior without looking at what's creating the behavior. So rules become the sort of second level um, parenting approach to say, okay, we got to have rules to prevent this rather than the first level, the pro proactive preventative measure would be what's creating this so we don't need the rules. What's influencing my daughter being so needy for boys and cutting herself. So I have to even have rules to prevent that. See, that's where a parent sort of, I feel, and I'm going to be really honest with you, that you're a bit out of touch. You're out of touch with your daughter's emotional well-being, her emotional health. She's got some emotional overload. First cutting, um, I'm familiar with this because I came from a, um, a traumatic childhood experience where I was sexually wounded in my childhood, and I had very low self-esteem as a young teenage girl about this age. So I never did the cutting thing, but I, when I started to heal my abuse about 20-some-odd years ago in the early, the late 80s, um, it became very prolific in my life that I had. The wounds of my childhood were just overwhelming my life in such a way that my behavior had become very, um, I was very worried. I was conscious enough to go, I got to get well because I'm, I'm wounding my own children. In fact, I have a blog post on the Carol blog that just went up today about healing my sexual, healing my own sexuality and some key steps in that. And I recommend you read that because your daughter has some wounding here. She's emotionally wounded because when you want to cut, there's a level of emotional pain that you feel that the actual cutting is a, your own attack on yourself now. It has kind of a, you want to hurt yourself before someone else can. It's like the belief is now established in your own consciousness. I'm going to be hurt, so I might as well control it. And that's a subconscious program that's running. And there's also this need to kind of open yourself up to try and bleed the pain out. And I know that. I actually faced some of those feelings um, through my healing where hurting myself was, in a manner, a way to control my pain. And I never did it, but I understand it because I was in a space, I've been in that place emotionally where I felt it and that felt like a choice I could. I I. I think I was given the opportunity to experience it so I could help other people. Um, and 
as well as well as help myself. But your daughter's got some real pain going on here. And when you're when a fourteen year old is so um putting herself out there with male, she has what I call a father wound. She's not had her needs met sufficiently by the primary male in her life. She's needy for a male validation. And so what happens by age 14 is you give up on your, you subconsciously give up on your father. And I don't know what the dad's situation here. There's no mention of a father, so I can't speak to that. But I can tell you what's driving this. And even if her dad's in her life, what's not happening for her to get her needs met on an emotional level, and those were the primary years of her life between birth and age six, was her father present? Was he loving? Was he kind? Was he safe? Was he validating? Was he predictable that she knew she could turn to him? Did she establish a bond with him? If that did not happen or it was complicated or minimized, when you're 14, you start to subconsciously now look to the boyfriend to make up the difference. The emotional self, the inner child, is going, well, I didn't get it from my dad. This is all happening on a subconscious level. I need a boy to do it for me because that primary is a primary emotional developmental need to be validated by both our mother and father. I did not get my I, – I know this territory well. This was me. at four. I wasn't texting boys. I was really scared of boys. I – didn't have the communication means either to try and connect with a boy. But I remember feeling at 14 years old completely desperate for a boyfriend. And I understand that now. I needed, um, I was trying to get my emotional needs met from a male. I recently wrote another blog post on the Carol blog, how when we come into the wholeness of who we are as women through our emotional healing and our spiritual awakening, we no longer need a male. We choose to be with a male if that's our desire, to bring our wholeness into that relationship. And that was in last week's post. Um, so you, again, I'm not even talking to you about the rules because you got to go down the other side of this. What, what does our daughter need? What is she screaming to us? When kids start cutting, they're sc- that's like screaming at your parents saying, help me. They just don't know how to ask, and I sense there's no trust here, so she doesn't trust you enough to open up to you, and you have to first establish that trust. You know, do you want to use rules to protect her, or uh, you're saying protect her from what her dis, you know, whatever dysfunction that she's been served in her life, and now you need rules so she doesn't act out from whatever lack of emotional support and love she's not gotten. See, that's the backwards way. Get to the other side of this. Be proactive. Be willing to see how you may have hurt or her father has neglected your own daughter. Life parents historically have done this for generations. I hope the fact that you even submitted the question, please read the child whisper. You want to change the course of that in your family line. I know I played a role in that. Many of the parents that follow me are the way showers for their children to say that this function stops here and we're going to heal. 
and we're going to show up and be accountable parents that are sensitive and tuned in and aware so that we can really support our children in growing up to be healthy, emotionally well-balanced adults. So my next question, um, this is a little bit off. Those were the two main questions that had to do with teens today. They're great questions. No, I have one more. My type 1 16-year-old teenager doesn't melt down. He shuts down. When we have an issue, we need to have a conversation about it. He refuses to talk. How can I help him to open up and share what he thinks? I'm a type 1 mom. Um. By 16C, they've established a can I a belief of can I trust my parents or can uh, do I so it's a trust issue when children don't feel on a de, on a level they can trust they won't share anymore. By 16, they've established that my parents love me, support me, they're going to listen to me. So they have a belief now by 16 in two things. I trust my parents, so they have a belief whether or not they trust you or not. So in this case, I don't think your son trusts you. I don't know if it's a son. It's a 16-year-old. I didn't get, let's see. It just says 16-year-old teenager. Oh, he. Okay, it is a boy. thought I saw that somewhere. So he doesn't trust you. And they've made a decision, they hear me. So when your teenager does open up to you, do you just start telling him what he needs to do to change things? Are you trying to, um, you're a type one, are you trying to make it better? Are you trying to give him feedback to make things better? Or are you listening and using what I think is one of the most um, powerful phrases a parent can use and a spouse can use in the listening role, which is, tell me more. Tell me how you feel about that. And to be skilled in an empathic listening. Oh, this makes you feel this way. Oh, is this, is this what I'm hearing you say? Um, don't do anything with it. Don't try and fix it. Don't try and make him feel better. Listen. Tell me more. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything I can do to support you? Ask. By the time a child's in their teen years, they're in this developmental phase. And in the child whisperer, you're going to see that I've listed for each of the four types, five developmental phases that a child goes through. This is the phase between 12 and 18 that they're creating their autonomy. They're just trying to be more dependent on themselves, and they start to seek out their social group. They start to turn to their social group so they can have a sense, I fit in this, into this world. I feel like I fit in. I've got people that understand me outside of my family system. And so what happens if you've not moved if you've not entered the teen years with trust and good listening skills and your child is believing I trust my parents they know how to listen to me by 16 they're going to their social group to get their needs met to be supported and so you need to build some trust and any and a good way to do that is to start listening 
Now, if you have not um, been a good listener, and it's very common for type 1 moms to be, you know, oh, I want them to feel better, and they do that through feedback. Acknowledge that you haven't listened well. What has it? And I'd ask this question. What have I done that's made you feel that it's not safe for you to share with me? I believe I've, uh, and I want to know what it is so I can stop doing it. Now, when you're told, refrain from defense, defending yourself, justifying yourself, and explaining yourself. Be quiet and listen. Tell me more. I can see. So this is when I do this, you feel like you can't share with me. Thank you. Thank you. Don't give them any. Don't defend it. You feel guilt? Deal with your guilt. It's not your child's role to support you if you're feeling guilty. Support yourself. What are you doing to shut him down? Find out. Ask him. And if he's not feeling safe to talk to you, say, I recognize that um, you're not feeling safe and that you can open up to me, and I apologize for that. I really want to learn how to do that for you. I want to learn how to be a supportive mom to you. What would that look like? What, how would you feel supported? Have you ever asked your children, especially teenagers, have you ever asked your teenagers, how would you know I support you? What would it look like? My husband and I did this recently. Um, well, last year, a couple, you know. We both asked each other this question. What one thing can I do so you really recognize I support you? And he said to reach out to him more. He's a type 2 energy, the sensitive. He has emotional connection to the world, and he likes touch. So to just, when I'm talking to him, reach out, touch his arm, make contact with him more throughout the day. You know, I support you. That shows a lot of support. Then he asked me, what can I do different or more of that you know I really support you? And I like being treated with consideration and kindness because I didn't get a lot of that from the male members of my family in my childhood. I, um, I, di- I, got, I got disregarded a lot. So that's something that I feel really supported by, just being kind, thoughtful, considerate. And he's a type two. You know, one reason I was attracted to him, because I really wanted that in my experience, and I was really attracted to that in a man. And we both are able to now have a measure, you know, a point of reference that we can give more of what the other person has declared they find supportive. So ask your teenagers, what do you find supportive? So I can offer that to you, more of that, which is great to know. So on another topic, this question um, came in. Our family of four, three of us express a higher movement and one has a lower movement. I'm either a type one or a type three, and my nine-year-old daughter is a type two. In addition to requiring a lot of energy at home due to her emotionally charged reactions when things don't go her way or she doesn't feel heard, she also struggles a lot at school. She tends to have friends who are much stronger than her. They seem to enjoy making her miserable. She gets left out of games at school because she is not as popular as other kids. How can I help our family understand and accommodate my daughter's nature while still honoring our own? And how can I help my daughter be stronger when dealing with her friendship issues? I think um, what's happening at school for kids is an opportunity for parents to look at uh, what is my child creating in their school environment because it's an 
magnified um, it magnifies how they're really feeling about themselves. And so in this case, this little type two girl is feeling that she doesn't have any power. She is the one that's powerless in her relationship. So she's, you know, what she's creating in her school environment, this belief is creating the struggle at school in a more magnified um, reference. So you can see it as a parent and go, okay, my daughter must feel powerless. <laughs> and she keeps attracting and choosing friends who she plays a role of being powerless. They have all the power. She has none. She must feel that way in our family. And when a type two feels powerless and unheard, they get very emotionally um, worked up because they don't know how to bring their emotions to voice. So they just know how to be a more emotional while they're kind of acting out. And that is a um, signal, a, a red flag, that your child is feeling lost in your family. She doesn't feel um, she has a point of power, a reference. So I want you, as a mom, pray about that. You know, that's, that's what's not correct. That's what's out of balance. And pray and ask, how can I help correct this for my daughter so she feels heard and understood and seen? And I have many, many um, ideas that I present in the Child Whisper. So make sure you reread the Type 2 section of the Child Whisper, the Sensitive Child, to give you some, start you thinking, and that will open up your own personal revelation channel for God to say to you, do this different. Because the child whisper is not a end-all, be-all to answer all your scenarios. It's to get you opening to who your child is, to operate more from inspiration and intuition, and to seek out answers, knowing you, you, you know, I think you can say, here's the issue, here the problem is, and I've identified that for you. The answer for her, I encourage you to seek that out. And again, use the book for inspiration and then prayerfully ask, what does my daughter need? So she feels heard, seen, powerful, and recognizes her value in our family system because that will shift things at school then. She'll create something different because she has a different sense of her own identity. Children take the identity that they formed in their family systems into their social environments outside the home. People do this for, you know, way into their adult years. Uh, whatever identity they form and value they perceive themselves to have, they grow up with and they take that into the world and recreate what is like unto their family system where they originally felt that way. And you want to, that's what we're trying to do here is prevent, you know, I've been in the self-help field for close to 25 years, primarily helping adults heal their wounded childhood years to change, um, clear and heal the false identity, the limited reference to who they are to awaken to their true self so they can live it in their adult years. So I love that in the parenting world, I can help parents learn how to support their children so they are raised with that knowledge of their true selves and start to function in a healthy, vital way in their adult years. Um, another question came in, how can I tell what my daughter's dominant type is when she expresses a different movement at home than she does at school? Again, we've got a home and a school situation here. She is six years old, and I think she is either a type two and secondary one, 
or a type 1 at the secondary too. I'm told by her teachers that she's very quiet and timid at school. She has been labeled there as shy. Well, you want to you wanna get rid of that label, so and ask the teachers not to call her shy. But at home, she is bouncy and random and openly expressive of her love toward me. She complains at home that she doesn't like school because she wants to play all day and not have to work. I'm a type 2 mom, and I keep going back and forth questioning her energy type. Please. I want to refer you to the uh, videos on thechildwhisper.com. I have 26 videos available for you to view that are me interviewing parents and helping them see their child's different types. And we identify all kinds of children in these videos. And so I'd also ask and pray um, for God to show you your child's type. I mean, I, I really mean that your child's true nature. I use the word type because it's a system that type means nature. Who it, what, what is the nature my child leads with? Is it the sensitive child or the fun-loving child? Most likely, my sense is she probably is a type two. Um, she's young. Any six-year-old would, you know, that would I wouldn't see that's type specific. That's more age reference that she'd just rather she wants to play all day and not have to work. Um, you know, she's either scared to be herself at school or, you see, a type two child, when they feel safe and loved in their home, all six-year-olds are going to be playful you know, when they feel safe. They're going to have playful moments. That's who they are. And that's why, you know, people will think my ch younger children often are type ones. But it's like, well, no, they're six years old. They're playful children. So is she the sensitive child? She could be, and she feels safe with you. So she's more expressive at home, and she doesn't feel safe doesn't feel emotionally safe and comfortable in her school environment. Did something happen where she was embarrassed? She was, um, attention was put on her so that she's self-conscious now. That's very, very uncomfortable for type 2 people to have anything that's um, too out there. And we were laughing because my type 2 son, when he was in 8th grade, Eighth or ninth grade, he got Citizen of the Month award. My son's a Type Two as a secondary four, and when you get to know him, he's very outgoing and um, easy to chat with. But in situations where there's a lot of people or where he doesn't know a lot of people, he be more of the introvert energy. His energy runs inward first. He needs to feel familiar with the space and the people he's with to extend himself, and an extrovert energy to put himself, engage himself. But I said I didn't know he was a type two at the time, and I was so proud of him. And it was the coolest thing, you know. I'm a type three mom, so I'm like, wow, my son got Citizen of the Month, and he did not want this award. I remember distinctly that he um, just said he was embarrassed. He did not want to walk in front of the whole student body. He was very uncomfortable. He did it anyway, and I mean, he lived through it, but. Uh, that would have been good information for me at the time to recognize, you know, instead of thinking, well, what's wrong with you to say, well, of course you don't. How can I help you make this more comfortable? And you don't have to do it if you don't want to. How would you like this to be handled? To not push him to do anything. And so is she getting pushed to do things at school? Is she 
being set up to do things she's not ready to do. Again, this is just feedback for you to look at. If she's a type 2, I'd look at all those things. And again, I'd be prayerful about it. Please help me see my child's true nature so that I can support my child in who they are and love them for who they are. Oh, some great questions today. We had two in the category of some school situations and then the teenage ones. I appreciate that. Um, I also want to um, let moms know, if you don't know your energy type yet and you have not taken my free beauty profile online course, I want to give that to you today. Go to dressingyourtruth.com. You can access the free course there and start to learn your type and more about the Dressing Your Truth system, which I think every mother is supported by. Every mom, when you can put that aside, the issues around body and appearance and your own self-worth, you're going to show up with more energy to be a great mom. So on the Carol on the Child Whisper blog this week, we featured a new post, Divorce, Three Vital Ways to Help Your Child Through It. I was able to talk to a mom. It's a video post. It's a great post. Go check that out. And then on the Carol blog, Why Women, one of the most popular posts to date on the Carol blog, I encourage you to read it, Why Women Need to Stop Saying This Five-Letter Word. It's been shared over 3,000 times. Uh, had thousands of views. I appreciate that. And another shout out to another post that recently got popular in the social media world. It's a post that's a couple years old, actually. It was posted in 2012, but uh, it's had a resurgence. It's been shared over 83,000 times. I think that's what my update was, or maybe that was the page views. I mean, thousands and tens of thousands of shares. Parent alert, the biggest discipline mistake to avoid. It's a great post. It introduces the four types of children. It's a great post to share through liking it um, on Facebook or in your social media pages so that other parents can learn about The Child Whisper and what a great book this is. Oh, appreciate. Uh, I don't have any live callers today. I've been looking to see if anyone had called in live. I always love it when you call in. Don't be. Uh, please call in. I'll be on the air again next week. Call in. I'd love to chat with you. I know it makes the show as another feature to the show and as you have been a listener to many of the podcasts you recognize how helpful it is when moms take the initiative to call in uh, since we don't have any live callers I'm going to wrap up the show and appreciate everybody's participation today again I, I'm grateful to make a difference in this world with the book The Child Whisperer it's one of my passions and my love and um, gratitude for this opportunity to support mothers and fathers worldwide in raising happy, successful, cooperative children, true to their nature, to eliminate that uh, wounding that comes on through the generational lines that, I, you know, again, I don't think parents consciously are trying to wound their children for the most part. Uh, the dysfunctions, though, get passed down, and my work is all about clearing and healing those dysfunctional patterns and seeing the truth of who we are and living living in the fullest to that degree and in the parenting world, helping ch- helping parents support their chil- children from the go. Thanks for listening today, and I'll talk to you again live next week. As a teacher, healer, speaker, best-selling author of The Child Whisperer, and mother of five children, 
Carol Tuttle is honored to help you take the power struggle out of parenting and better understand the children in your life. If you'd like Carol to answer your question, call in next time or email your question to parenting at liveyourtruth.com. Carol invites you to learn more about the four types of children at thechildwhisperer.com and connect with her at thecarolblog.com. If you haven't read The Child Whisperer yet, get your copy through the Child Whisperer website and enjoy happier, more successful, more cooperative children.